Hi. Hi, how are you? <laughs> You're with the contest queen and Jason Block is my guest today and we're doing something a little bit different. Yeah, we are. Jason is a fellow sweeper and he's made his claim to fame being a game show winning contestant. But yep. that's for another episode of With the Contest Queen. Today, we are talking about the documentary, the Netflix documentary, Pepsi Wears My Jet. Because is, yeah. we started talking about it offline, and then I deci we decided that this is ridiculous. Why are we keeping this conversation between the two of us? We have to share it. So here we are to discuss all four episodes of Pepsi Wears My Jet. Yeah, can you hear me okay? I can hear you okay. Great. So let's start with this. By the way, if you you we watched this, and it's a fascinating, fascinating case study of marketing <laughs> in its good and bad form. So we are old enough to remember the old Pepsi challenge back in the day. Uh, I have mine. And um, if you remember, you used to go back into malls, and these marketing people would say, oh, dude, do you like Coke or do you like Pepsi, which is also how they framed the entire documentary because they got a lot of the subjects to pick either coke or pepsi which is very interesting but back then cola the cola wars were huge those were the early influencers you had people like michael jackson shaquille o'neal they even interviewed cindy crawford in the first part of the documentary yes to this day you have young girls going as Cindy Crawford in the tank top and the jeans for Halloween. So, Coke well, had. Their... If you live somewhere warm. <laughs> well, I'm sorry. Yeah, if you live somewhere warm, yeah. Not uh, you. We, put, we put snowsuits over our costumes. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, back then, Coke had the big market share, but Pepsi was the choice of a new generation. The You oh, remember yeah. those? But the choice of the young crowd. So Brian Sweat, the chief marketing officer of Pepsi, said, we need to do something big. And we created, they created Pepsi points, which was if you drank Pepsi, you got a certain amount of points and you could buy stuff from their catalog. So on October 30th, 1995, BBDNO, which is the advertising agency, premiered their ad which had this young teen wearing a jacket and a T-shirt, which had a certain amount of Pepsi points, and then the Harrier jet for 7 million points. But it had no restrictions or joke or satire marketing. So the kid who wanted Pepsi, a guy by the name of John Leonard, who was a 20-year-old community college student, said, I want this. And he thought by watching us, you know, watching the, the, the commercial that it was a legitimate offer. Brian Sweat said it was it was a joke. It was a total joke. It, it was a joke. Oh, maybe, maybe not. Well, to to Pepsi, it was OK. So in episode one, he starts to think of a plan. And he, and he researched the price of the jet, and the jet was about 30 million bucks, 32 million bucks. And he said, all right, fine, 7 million Pepsi points were a lot less than that. So he was obsessed of making this happen. He, 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 need, he realized that he had, to, he had to name it and claim it to use some of your, your contesting things. But he needed to do it now, but his family couldn't drink that much Pepsi. 
they would, you know, they throw it away. Nobody could drink that much Pepsi. So he recruits this. And, and by the way, when I saw this guy, he reminded me a lot of you, Todd Hoffman. You know, this, Thanks. you know, no, this hippie, badass sort of guy. You know, he was a very successful businessman. And he, and he was a climber like John was. He was a mountain climber. Yeah, yeah, we got to Okay, so we got to preface this. First of all, we're assuming that anybody participating in our conversation hasn't seen it. Right, so, so, so there are spoilers. So this young fella, John Leonard, uh, first of all, I'm impressed that out of all the people that saw the ad, millions of people, he's the only one that took it seriously. I know. Actually, well, that... Somebody else may have taken it seriously, but they didn't take it any further than their head. Right, and so we he wouldn't was, hear about it. And, and then a, he had a hobby, you know, because we're well-rounded human beings. We're not all <laughs> one-dimensional. Of course we are. Yeah. Right. He right. had a hobby. He loved to climb mountains, and like any hobby, that's why we're friends. He, there's a community, and he met um, Todd through that community, and they became lifelong friends, just like we are. Right. Except we're and, not crazy enough to climb. You know, and they also filmed in Antarctica part of this documentary, which was insane. Nuts. Okay. So. But I love that they follow their passion, which is why I think the, they, he, John was the one to do this because he had that kind of passion and dedication that's required to come up with these out of the box ideas and go down a kind of a crazy path. And the fact is, is that John, John was one of uh, Todd was like, if he can, he can show me how to do it in a way he, he was, he wasn't just going to finance the idea willy nilly. He was, and this is where the next part comes in. He's like, write me a business plan. Show me how this could work. After he watched the commercial and Todd said, you know what? That's an offer. I believe that there is an offer there. Yeah. So, but I like that he made him write a business plan because it made John think first, like an entrepreneur, and second, like what what are the actual logistics? Like, if I have to do this, what are the real logistics of getting this done? Right. So, John, being the intrepid twenty-year-old student in nineteen ninety-five. <laughs> writes a business plan and says that it's going to cost him $4.3 million because, and he did the math on this, he'd have to buy 1.4 million packs for 7 million points, which is 16 million cans of Pepsi, which would store in 600,000 feet of storage space oh, no. <laughs> in six <laughs> metropolitan cities in six warehouses. And he said he could do it in three months with temporary labor. Now, you know that we have contesters have done crazy things to collect points in, you know, caps, bottles, labels, etc. This, go, you know, takes it to this sort of level. Yeah, that's really that's that's code hunting to the next to the next level. Right. So Todd says, okay. So Todd being the smart guy says, all right, I'm going to burst this kid's bubble a little bit because he asks him some very legitimate questions. Like right. one, is it legal to own the jet? 
which is a very good question because well, it yeah. is, <laughs> you don't want to try and get something and then it's, you know, against the defense department or whoever's in charge of these kind of things. Right. So they actually asked the Pentagon and Kenneth Bacon, who was the spokesperson at the time, eventually answered him and said, yes, but there are no weapons in tech that should be involved. So it just should be a jet airplane without any missiles, weapons, defense. Right. So just something to fly. Right. Okay. Yeah. So so it's legal. All right, fine. So the next I one. I think that's where they have those. I think there are companies that own some because I think you can go on one of these. Now it costs you an arm and a leg. Um, they're very expensive, but you can buy those dream packages where, you know, you go up in a jet for an hour or whatever. And they... Well, yeah, there's one in Vegas, I think, called Top yeah. Gun Flying School or something, something. like that. Yeah, and they, they own the jets, so it's legal to own them, and you can pay to go on a dream flight or whatever. But, right. Yeah, so, so somebody, you can't own it. But it's you, at that time, common. Yes, and, and remember, this was also before 9-11. This was also before a bunch of other stuff. And I don't think it would be even legal. Now, now I don't believe it, it would be legal to own the jet. But at that well, time... Well, there is. for some, Like that outfitting company has it. But, you mm. know, just random guy on the street, probably not. No. And, All right. Yeah. And then also... Um, uh, the other thing is, you got to remember where the internet and computers were at in 1995. Very rare. This was just the start of the the World Wide Web, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah. Like, so I remember actually, having, I think that was, I owned my first laptop at that point. I owned my first desktop back then. So, I jumped the yeah, gun and I, I got the laptop. <laughs> I remember those laptops. You could actually brain somebody with those things now. Those, those things are just, those things are so heavy. Those, you really had to like, you know, you, you needed like shoulder. You had to lift weights with those things. So the next question that Todd asked was, well, if you get it, what do we do with it? So yeah. he was, so he was like, all right, fine. John was like, okay, we'll give people rides. We'll show, like you said, like, oh, John. Like we're talking about. Right. So, and the last per question was, well, what if we don't get the points on time? And, uh, and if it ends early. Oh, yeah, the program had a time limit. Right. That's so, the other thing we got to talk about. Right. So, Todd said, at this point in time, it's not happening. So, John hits the wall. And by the end of the first episode, you know, he's like, I'm done. We're finished until. And I love how they did how they did this in the special. There was this hallelujah light in this convenience store that they had. Oh, yeah. Right. Where oh. they had. Hallelujah. Yeah. Had, because he saw he saw the Pepsi points catalog. Now, in the Pepsi points catalog, they had everything in there. Not the Harry and Jet, but they had a little line that said you can buy pepsi points for 10 cents a point okay so john yeah. does the math okay and says hmm you are going from 404.3 million to 700,000 that's a big drop that's a very big drop and Todd yeah, that's the beginning of part 
no, 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 no. This no, was the end, the of, end part... of part one. I thought that this was the beginning of part two. This was the end of part one because Todd had to think about this. Okay. Because he, he was like, he was like, should I put my name on this check? What am I going to do? But he basically so we said, should let people know who haven't seen it that are watching. Yes. Todd was a, a serial entrepreneur. Right. And, and a multi He had a lot of coin. He had a lot so of, yes. Basically, John had friends with money. And that's the only reason this got any further than him having a dream. Because he had someone who has was business savvy, had connections, and had a, a deep pocketbook. And he had, and yeah, but but this was also his own money too. He was he was investing his own money into this because he had a right. Was but a I'm just saying that John had someone that would could back the bigger buck. Right, exactly. So Todd was thinking about it, thinking about it, thinking about it, and basically said, "All right, fine. I'm going to send them the check." Okay. And the former CEO at the end of the episode says, this was madness. And they bring in, and you know what this happens, they bring in the lawyers. And you know what happens. Uh, uh, this, You know what happens when legal gets involved. Okay? And that leads us into episode two called Let's Make a Deal. Okay? And I love this. They they write a check for seven hundred thousand dollars and eight seven hundred thousand eight dollars and fifty cents, which includes, by the way, ten dollars for shipping and handling a Harrier jet, which I laughed. <laughs> you know, you know, <laughs> it was funny. So John flies the check to Minnesota with a paralegal, uh, and. In March of 1996, they go to one of our favorite places that we used to remember back in the day, Young America, Minnesota. Okay. Yeah, Young America, for those uh, people that don't are watching and don't know, was a um, sweepstakes agency. They're a marketing agency, and their specialty was sweepstakes. Not unlike some of the agencies now. Um but Were that, they bought out or did they close? I think they closed, I believe. I'm just thinking Young America, Minnesota was the city. I don't know if Young America, I'd have to look it up to, yeah. you know, you know, to yeah. look up. Yeah, but just, just, uh, yeah, they, they either, it was one, I'm pretty sure they closed, but, you know, once in a while somebody does get bought out. <laughs> Well, I also remember because it also those Young America and DL Blair were the two big marketing agencies back around yeah. that time and, and unfortunately both of them are not with us anymore yeah i think what happened was the internet uh overtook them and all the new digital marketing um they were so big and the old male kind of fulfillment that kind of thing that they just couldn't pivot fast enough to keep up and they just lost ground and then that was it yeah i mean so yeah, and, and young, like I said, Young America was a big because I, re, I remember when I was doing a lot more mailing that that was the place where you would mail a ton of different sweepstakes to Young America, Minnesota. You know, 
Yeah, and then uh, and they had like all the different PO boxes, so each giveaway would have its own number. PO box. Yep, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yes, for and for for the people who are listening, this was a big deal. If you if you got to Young America, Minnesota, that was a big, 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 big deal. So in March of 1996, they didn't realize that it was not an office or like a big building. It was just a PO box and a small, you know post office in the middle of minnesota so well, they did have an office like the real okay the real business does have an office but that's not where the letters go no it goes to this post office but they got a postal worker to get the 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 check into the p.o box so um the michael patty who was the creative director of the ad uh, the former creative director of bbdno talks about the day that they found out that the check was written. Everyone thought it was just BS that, you know, Mordos, who was, as we talked about earlier, the former CEO said it was preposterous. He goes to in-house counsel. Everyone thought it was a money grab. They, um, Pepsi at that time really wasn't concerned. So, um, so they get, so they wait and they wait and they wait and they wait and they eventually get a letter back. And John's nervous and they open up the thing, the letter, and guess what? They they get back. Two coupons. Two coupons for a case of Pepsi and a letter basically going, ha ha, that, you know, ha ha, very funny. Ho ho, it is to laugh. It's, it's not real. Go away. Now, okay. wait, you know what I forgot? Did they return the check to him or did they still yeah, they, have the check? I think they still had the check. I think they still have oh, the check. Really? You've got my check? You oh no, 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 no. Sorry, no, no, they sent the check back. I apologize. They sent uh, yeah, the check sent back. Because I don't remember that part. Yeah, they sent the check back. Okay. And um it's also very interesting. They also showed the how they made the ad and that the, the guy wanted to make the kid a little bit more non, you know, perfect. They wanted cool. to make him more yeah, less like more cool. like average kid. Right, exactly. Um, so Todd, Todd and John, Todd Hoffman and John Leonard, they realize that they need they need lawyers at all. They need lawyers, and um, they recruit a uh, a lawyer from Miami named Larry Chance, and um, Larry believes in John's case and sends sends to Pepsi, you know, you've got, you've got the funds. It's not a joke. It's real. Okay. But then on July 18th, 1996, they called John at his home and it's from the wall street journal. Wall street journal says, are you the guy Pepsi sued in federal court? What? Uh, because they sued him because if you know law and I know a little bit of it, they were trying to get to sue in the venue, which would be favorable to Pepsi in New York. Well, of course. Why wouldn't like you're the corporation? Why where would why wouldn't you go anywhere else? Right. So Todd was surprised. Todd Hoffman said was surprised that he was they went lawsuit first, phone call second. Okay. The, and the reason why Pepsi sued was. Not, it was not according to Pepsi, it was not legal to buy a Harrier jet. So, guess what? John and Todd sue back. 
Okay. Now yeah. they get all the corporate lawyers involved and Patty, the, 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 the ad guy says, you know what? Let's just settle. Let's just get out of here. But then Pepsi does a very, very stupid thing. In my opinion, they change the ad twice. Okay. They changed the ad um, from 7 million points to 700 million points. And then a third time when it says 700 million points with a parentheses, just kidding. Okay. According to, okay, Todd, Todd Hoffman says, oh my God, they're admitting guilt. And um, Mordos, in my personal opinion, which was wrong, yeah, says it wasn't. So, yeah, so they're saying no, they were, they were dumbing down the ad. But then the ad, the ad, but then the ad exec said it was an admission of guilt. What did you think about that? The fact so, that they changed so, as a marketer, as a marketer, what do you think about yeah, that? Yeah, first of all, legal should have caught it. So right. If I was Pepsi. I'd be suing the agency or I don't know whose lawyers had to okay it. Whoever, whatever legal department cleared the ad. Yep. Sued or fired because you're costing us a lot of money. That was your job. You didn't do it. Now we're being sued. Um, or maybe, I don't know what the ramifications are there, but I know if it was the agency's lawyers, Right. And I was Pepsi. I would be suing the agency huge for dropping that ball. Exactly. Because to me, when I see that and I'm looking at it from a, from a, just from a, from a, from a, just from an optics pers perspective. Okay. If you're if you're going, okay, seven to 700 and then 700 to just kidding. It doesn't really pass the sniff test to me. Yeah, no, it looks bad. You're right. It looks bad. And, but, it, but if it was Pepsi's lawyers, so if the agency sends over the ads and the Pepsi's lawyers approve it, then it's Pepsi's fault because right. their lawyers didn't catch it. Right. Uh, by the way, do so, we have any, do we have any questions from anybody or any comments? No, but about John put in the link to uh, Young America's Wikipedia page. So we'll have to go check that out. And, okay. um, oh, look at someone says someone's selling the points catalog on eBay. Oh, okay. <laughs> the actual catalog. Oh, nice. Okay. That's if you cool. Collect Pepsi memorabilia. That's maybe something you want, not just the stuff, but the actual catalog, uh, catalog, uh, themselves. So then, yeah, so I don't think, so I think the problem was, had Pepsi offered, not belittled him, and and um, so yeah, they did two things wrong. One, they changed the ad. If they had not changed the ad, they wouldn't have admitted that they had a mistake. Right. Right. And two, um, so that was the one thing they did wrong. And two, they treated John like a stupid kid. Which which and, which, which, and which when they left him off, he's like f this yeah i know well that also leads into the end of episode two because we talk right. about the, the the settlement conference 
right? You're talking about treating him as a stupid kid because they, they're just the, the lawyers. I loved how they framed this of like those, you, you know, uh, what was it? Uh, John is going to like Sears and getting a, a, a $120 suit back in 1995, an ill-fitting suit, this bright yellow suit, you know, and you have these high-powered New York lawyers. And I, I've legitimately dealt with these high-powered New York lawyers back in the day in, you know, many different forms of my previous life and, as a paralegal. So the lawyers basically say, <laughs> yeah, like you said, they treated him like a stupid kid. And they go, we want the jet. And they go back and forth and back and forth. And they send, they write a number down of 750000 to $1 million. Now, if you were him back then, would you have taken it? Because he didn't. Because he was yes, like, I want. I don't know why he didn't take the million bucks back in the day. Okay, so you think he should have? Yeah, I think he should have taken the million bucks. Okay. Like, I, I mean, like, is you because I, I don't know what made him kept going, like how he thought he was actually going to get a jet. Like, I get that it's an offer, but I don't think he want he. I think he really thought that that the law would be on his side. Right. And, and no, it was not. And, but it was not. So I think one, he should have taken the million bucks. It would have paid for all his college and set him up and everything. It, um, it, but he wanted the jet. I think he would have been an infamy though. So no, he would not have, but, and, and Todd's and Todd Hoffman, his, his friend said it was his deal. He said, I would have taken the money. He said, I would, if you saw the documentary, he said, I yeah. would have taken the money. Yeah. But it was his deal. And, you know. But also, you got to remember, Todd had, again, was a serial entrepreneur with business experience. And John was a gung ho kid who had this eye on his prize and he wasn't budging. No, he was, he was, he was, he was, my, he's like a racehorse, you know, with the blinders on. And he's just going. That's it. He's just but, going. But then the episode ends with oh. this twist. This so, pause, pause for a second. Rochelle says he should have asked for $5 million. Oh, I wonder if he could have bargained. That's a good point. You, you know what? I would he have, offered him a million bucks. Do you think he could have said, listen, give me two and I'll walk away? I, You know what? $2 million would have, back then in 1995, would have been a big deal for him. I would have looked. See... I respect his gung honess, but I understand where 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 a settlement could have been could have been. Because they better. offered him a million, which means they're ready to bargain. So, like Rochelle said, okay, you come back and go five, and they go one fifty, and you go two, three two. million, and they go and like, and eventually you settle on like two million bucks, and then done. Right, exactly, and then it goes away. But then he's not I infamous in that way. Um, right, but his life has changed because he just got two million bucks. I know, and and it would have been tax free because I believe settlements don't get taxed, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, that's I believe that's correct. So, so he would have. Anyway, yeah, I, I have to agree. Now you got to remember, um, you and I. We're also talking about this from a 2023 perspective. Right. But, and we're but mature. It, 
<laughs> sort of, it's but a yeah. Big difference between like a twenty-year-old and a fifty-year-old. Soon to be fifty-five, but yes, mind right. Like Todd had the business mind, and he he would have said like, take the cash and run. And, and you know what? I think it would have been a good idea, but but then they bring in, and then the episode, this episode two ends with this twist. And when I saw it the first time, my mind was blown because they brought in a guy who is one of the most infamous sleazeball lawyers in sleazeball PR and lawyer guys in the history of PR guys, and that guy is Michael Avenatti. Now, was, uh, wait, okay, so you got to remember, again, back to 95, he wasn't a sleazeball yet, was he? He Okay, was, let's rephrase that. He probably always was, but he wasn't known yet. He was not a known sleazeball. He was not, he was not a famous sleazeball. He just was one, okay? Yeah. Um, so for those who don't know who Michael Avenatti is, is uh michael avenatti is a guy who is a convicted lawyer who worked who went against donald trump in a couple of uh he he was the guy who represented and i'm gonna phrase this complete uh stormy daniels who who trump allegedly paid off for certain things which we're not going to get into now but, but yeah, but you're framing it so people know who the lawyer is because they're probably familiar with that case, so they know who this guy is. And he also and he and he also is is was under house arrest at the time of the filming. Oh yeah, well, that was totally funny. <laughs> they put this green screen on him. They sit him in his chair and he's got the jet behind him. I think but he could. Um, he was able to move around a bit because I think they had him outside at one point. Like he's not outside. Not locked in the house. I think he could go to his backyard and stuff. Yeah, because he because there was a segment with him and John in there. Um, yeah, so I think he could physically uh, go to certain places. He could physically right, but but again, but again, what the what and moving in that sense to episode three, um, he thought he could get John the Jet Avenatti. I'm talking about. Oh um, yeah, he's totally like. It, it, uh, if you had to pick a lawyer to be on your side that was crazy and gung-ho to get you a jet, I, have yeah. to say, I thought he was probably the right guy. That was, that was, put it to you this way. Yes, it was the right choice because you need a guy, you needed a guy to go in the mud against this major corporation, Pepsi, to, to, to try and get him this $32 million jet. So in, in 1997, and uh, just see if there anybody has any comments on this, Avenatti meets with him. And Todd think, thought Michael was, yeah, a sleazeball. And Avenatti gets aggressive, but he thinks John Leonard was the most real guy. And Avenatti said, you know what? We may not win in the court of law, but we'll win in the, co the court of public opinion. Okay? But here's the thing that I kind of heard when he said that. And I'm like, the court of public opinion doesn't pay your bills. It, it's not it going to be a, a a toy in my yard, however you pictured getting the jet. Like, right. So you're in the court of public opinion. Yeah, I mean. Like, yeah. You know. Yeah, like, but, but you, you can't, and again, you can't try a case within the court of public opinion. I mean, you can. It doesn't, it won't mean anything. It won't get you, it won't get you the jet per se. I mean, he probably made some money from this documentary, but it's 30 years later. 
Right. So. And it's not two million. It's not one or two million bucks. No. So Patty and Moro's the the people from Pepsi think that Avenatti was just you know was BSing and they thought it was a bad choice, but Avenatti. Well, I can see that from their perspective. Right. So Avenatti gets John on radio stations, TV news all over the country. People like Greta Van Susteren, Dan Rather at the time, all these radio shows. Crazy, right? Right. So, um, again, they call it a money grab, and the Pepsi spokesman fought back, and Patty says it wasn't in the catalog, and they compared it to one of the most infamous legal settlements in the history of corporate, which was the hot coffee settlement of McDonald's back in the day, where the woman won $3 million for the two... Yeah, so explain to people what it is, and then I'll tell them to have to go watch the documentary Hot Coffee if you can find it. Right. So back in, like, what was it, the late 80s, mid-80s, yeah. late 80s? Late so 80s. She, yeah, so she had a cup of coffee. Do you remember seeing the documentary? No, I have not. I should. Oh, I'll look it you up. should because people make fun of her, and she actually made coffee safer for all of us. Right, because so, the coffee was weight was yeah, legitimately weight. The coffee, so water boils at two hundred and eight degrees Celsius or Fahrenheit. Is two hundred and twelve? No, two hundred Celsius. Two twelve Fahrenheit. Two twelve Fahrenheit. Two twelve Fahrenheit. Oh yeah, my my cat. I have a, a hot pot and it keeps water just under boiling. Two hundred eight. So okay. hundred degrees Celsius or two twelve Fahrenheit. Right. So they would. Get coffee. They would serve coffee at 200 degrees that like in those crafts at McDonald's and all the other shops. And she had it with a lid and she'd put it in between her legs to do something to get like her fries out or whatever. Something happened and the coffee spilled in her lap and and third degree burns on her thighs that needed surgery. Right. So she sued McDonald's. Everybody makes fun of her because she got money that covered her medical bills and whatnot and her damage. But her point was, no, you you can't serve it this hot. It is too hot. And a law was passed that coffee, I can't remember what the current temperature is, but it was lowered to a safer, so it's hot, but it's not going to burn you like that mm-hmm. um, anymore. And now all restaurants have to serve it at that newer temperature Mm, because of her so people make fun of her but she actually saved all of us so i I highly recommend the documentary hot coffee but they again had that misnomer that it was just a money grab she didn't do it as a money grab she did it as hey pay my medical bills and two this is dangerous right so So, they were kind of doing the same thing i want my money or my jet and you should promote better. Right. So Pepsi in his in, in their own infinite wisdom decide to fight back. For example, they got him to cancel an interview with David David Letterman who was huge at the time. Um there was a question believe it or not at a, at a White House press conference in 1995 that Avenatti thought was set up that someone asked about, you know, owning a jet. So then they, they go into this weird... I know, right? All the way to the White House, basically. Yeah, right. 
But then they get this weird call, which I was. Oh, I know, like what? This, this was bizarre. That this guy named Victor Miller from Tulsa, Oklahoma, claimed he got two hundred and fifty thousand dollars from Pepsi to find a Harrier jet. Okay. Where did this, this guy must have been smoking something? Oh, he was. Oh, the the the. the but the, it was so bad he wouldn't come on camera unless they paid him, and, and they were like, "No, we're not paying you." And there was no, there was no, there was no. That right there tells you his character. Right. And um and so he explained and Todd knew that it was BS. Don't take your eye off the ball, but they actually go to Oklahoma and do this. Okay. And um of course they can't show the he can't show the jet, but they show a shrimp platter. This was a big bust, and Avenatti was like, "Oh my god, I'm I'm sharing a hood like a Motel Six with this dude," you know, because Avenatti thought he was just like you know up here, right? So, you know, you know, I mean, that whole story about the that was about, just weird. Like I don't even know. That was kind of like a. Like a, a road trip off, like the whole thing just kind of went like this. Right. But I'm then, like, what is happening here? But then, but since things got a little off track, Avenatti says, you know what? I need to do some what, what you do in the business, which in political business, which was called opposition research. Okay. Right. And he did it the old-fashioned way. He went to the library. He did this thing. Remember that thing called microfiche back in the day? You know, microfiche. I think it still uh, exists. Right. And he spent 200 and Todd was like, this is blackmail. I don't want to blackmail Pepsi. I just yeah, want to Yeah, I started going, like, this is right. This is why I agreed with Todd. And then yeah. the further this episode went on, the more I agreed with Todd that he should have just taken the money. Uh -huh. Because it just started getting weird and mean because right. that was Avenatti. And I'm like, and jo and I think the problem was too, at that point, John's still only 20. And I don't think he kind of knew better at that time. No, he did not. Um, I, I, I didn't I know this guy was like, you know, off in left field. Right. And so he found out about two things. One, in your neck of the woods, they did the same promotion with a eh, 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 disclaimer on the jet. I mean, you know, that there was like, there Just was no, no way that he could do this. But then um, he, uh, Avenatti found what he felt was the smoking gun, which was a promotion gone bad in the Philippines called Numbers fever and you told you told me about this before yeah, I, I told you about it because um what happened is i have a book called advertising and marketing law in canada okay this is the sixth edition i've had every i've got all six copies wow because i know the lawyers now some of the lawyers have retired that's how long i've known them <laughs> but um it, they have a chapter on contests. Right. With a section called Cautionary Tales of Contest and Promotion Nightmares. In other Ooh. words, 
why you need lawyers to vet your promotion before you go ahead. Agreed. And then number four is just kidding, which we'll read later. But five is Thrilla in Manila. So here, for those of people that didn't see the the episode, um, what in the law book it says in the Philippines in 1992 in an under the bottle cap promotion called Number Fever, as you stated. Pepsi intended to award one $50,000 prize. However, due to their computer errors, some 800,000 bottle caps were distributed with the winning number 349. So if that's 800,000 times 50, what is that, 4 billion pesos? Or is that four? Wow, that's nine, right? Yeah, nine numbers? Yeah. Four billion pays four million dollars, four billion dollars US. Yeah. Wow. So Pepsi offered to pay $20. Well, that's like a way off with a winning cap. The offer fizzled. Bombs were thrown into Pepsi bottling plants. Two people died in Coalition 349, the Coalition 349 riots. Well, that's actually sad because those people were innocent. And all foreign born Pepsi executives were withdrawn from the country. 22,000 people filed lawsuits against Pepsi for fraud and deception, and Coalition 349 candidates even ran in parliamentary elections. Pepsi ended up paying approximately $10 million in goodwill gestures, although all of the lawsuits were dismissed. The damage to Pepsi's reputation was incalculable. Pepsi's share of the soft drink market in the Philippines. Oh, yeah, this is, and it's still there, I think. Draw from 25% to 16, and number fever is still a vivid and presumably bitter memory to many Filipinos. Like today, yeah. 92, like 30 years 30 ago. 30 years ago, yeah. We never recovered. Well, Even with the- ironclad contest rules, which protected the promoters from a legal standpoint, when printing or production errors result in too many prizes being seeded, the rules cannot prevent massive public regulation problems when a game goes wrong. And you and and we've had excuse me we've had that problem when we've had many many winning moments on contests here in the United States and in Canada we've had that many times and uh, the con- I know the con- I think there was one years ago I was thinking about that there was one for I think it was the Eminem Easter no and I know I, think, I, was I think they you know, did the timing and all the instant prizes were given away in like the first hour somebody had not com- um. So how they do instant wins is they'll program it and say, you know, this many instant wins from this time to this time across, I don't know, six weeks or eight weeks or whatever. But whoever programmed it didn't do it right. And basically all the prizes were like right at the beginning. So everybody who entered like the first hour of the promotion won a prize and then that was it. There was no prizes left. Well, yeah, and those are called, and for, for you know, our friend Die Coke from from Super Lucky Die calls them winning moment sweepstakes, and um, they, yeah. that they're that they're they're, they're probed that they're programmed uh, a spe- a specific time, and I remember also the one the Tito's vodka when they were doing the yoga mat a few years ago, when everything was a winning moment and they had to rescind it because it was a computer error. But again, going back to this Pepsi, this Pepsi ad, and we talked about that. And the Coke was the at the time in 1992. It was you're right. It was the it was 75-25. and um, you talk and, and it was and 
one of the people who they interviewed, you're talking about the people who died, was the daughter of one was the daughter of one of the people interviewed because uh, it was a teacher. And uh, Pepsi and a court, there was a four hundred million dollar lawsuit claiming that Pepsi bombed their own trucks, and then Avenatti recruits an ad know, exec. This is crazy. So and, he finds this thing and sees this fiasco, which is already bad enough as it was. Right. And Avenatti creates these ads that... Oh, this was such a bad idea. This, like, Todd was against this, and I had to agree with, again, Todd on this one. I'm like, oh, this is not going well. Because there was this one picture of a black eye with the Pepsi logo a legal print, and then a numbers fever Molotov cocktail. USA Today was going to run it. They they wanted to do a Times Square billboard uh, for $200,000, and Todd was like, no, uh-uh, this is blackmail. Avenatti tried to convince him. And no, I, again, I agree with Todd on this. Like, I don't know, where do you stand? Um, I... I I understand the ads, and again, again, this is just me, but I think it, you were getting way too far away from the actual from the actual focus of what you were doing. I think Avenatti exactly. was, was just trying to damage Pepsi for Pepsi's sake, and not just and not just go after the jet, right? And there yeah, was, a it was getting too far into left field. Like, it, it, it was a little. It was a little much. It was really a little much. Um, so then, John had to make a choice: either go with Avenatti, or go with and stay with his friend. John chose Todd and sent Michael on his way. All right. Yeah. So it was a good thing. I think John finally started to realize. Okay, I get. I like Michael's enthusiasm. Okay, but this is just starting to be too much. Exactly. So we go fast forward to 1998. Yeah, so, so now this is three years later because he decided not to take the money. Right. He didn't take the money. Yeah, again, the actions have consequences, right? Mm -hmm. So these are the things they needed to win, okay? One, they needed a litigation attorney, and they got a pretty good one, David Nachman, who... Oh, yeah, they were showing this about all the things they needed and what right. they had, and it was a this, lot of red. Right. Well, this was the this was the this was the um this was the only thing they got right, a good attorney. Okay. Mm -hmm. The next thing they were supposed to get, uh wrong. Judge was Kimball Wood. Now, for those who don't know who Kimber Wood was, Kimber Wood was about to be one of, I believe, the second woman on the Supreme Court after uh, Sandra Day O'Connor in the United States, but then got caught paying an illegal alien money under the table with, you know, and it was called Nanny Gate. You can look it up. So, and she was determined to get, she was a corporate judge, so eh, wrong, not good. So then they get, a, they wanted a trial by jury. Well, wrong. Well, yeah, because, again, Avanati said, try in the public eye, right? So right. if you have a jury, it starts to lean more that way like that. Right. So then 
they they got the judge to say, you know what, we're going to get summary judgment. Present the evidence to me and I'll make a decision. Right? Wrong. That didn't happen. And then let's see if we can get to, to depose Pepsi so they can get answers to certain questions. And then we get some very, in, we get a confession from the ad exec. And this just blew oh, my mind. Yeah. It blew my mind. Okay. So he shows the original storyboard, which did say 700 million points. Okay. But it was changed by the director because it didn't fit the frame. No, I thought it was because he said it was it look it was too many zeros. It was hard to read. To read, yes, it was too hard to read, and they kept shortening it. And he goes, seven million. That looks better. It's easier to read. Right. So Patty, you know, throws Pepsi under the bus. Okay, saying it was their fault. Okay. So and Patty was right. The ad executive had a better program. His original storyboard was a regular kid, not a top gun teenager, and he had 700 million points which would have killed it in the begin like had they run with his vision, they wouldn't have had the- this wouldn't we wouldn't even be talking about this. Not at all. So Pepsi said uh, the the CEO so Jeff Mordos said that Patty was going to be subpoenaed and Patty admits he would have told the truth and Pepsi would have not been happy about what he said. He would have told the truth that it was. Well, that's what you do when you, you know, he's like, exactly. I'm not going to get purged per yep. like uh, perjury. I'm going to tell so, the truth. So Pepsi got judge Wood to say that they have all the re- re- uh, relevant facts they had the ad, they had the letters back and forth, they had the catalog, no depositions. The, the Eventually in 1999, legal back and forth, we get the judge decision that Judge Wood says there was no reasonable offer made, the, it's out, it's done, he doesn't get the jet, he gets nothing, and he spent you know hundreds of thousands of dollars on legal fees for nothing i know that's i could see it heading that way that's why i was like i don't know why he didn't take the money he's not this this documentary is not going to end with him getting the jet no it's not but he becomes famous because he becomes a jeopardy he becomes a jeopardy but the more interesting thing about this is that and you have you you want to talk about this yeah it's it's showed that in the documentary they said he's starting to show up in law class right so you have the you have the you have the book talk about it in uh yeah in the... it's, just, it's right here that's why when this came out i'm like oh i've known about this for years because i've i've had these books um and talks about all kinds of crazy ones but in 1997 um pepsi launched a massive rewards problem called pepsi stuff and funny enough, they still call their stuff Pepsi stuff. Okay. Like when when we have it up here, uh, like every summer in Canada, and you can win things. Well, they didn't do it last year, but the year before, yes, you could win Pepsi stuff. And I have hats and a jacket, and yeah, I know. know. 
I gave one to my grandma before she passed. She loved it. It was a bucket hat with Pepsi on it. I have a picture of her. I sent it to Pepsi. I loved it. Very cool. This hundred-year-old woman wearing a bucket Pepsi bucket hat. She thought it was fantastic. Um, so we still call it Pepsi stuff, but interestingly enough, they changed their program last year because postage rates everywhere have gone through the roof. Yeah. Oh yeah. So instead of sending stuff out, the whole thing was digital. So you either got a gift card in the mail, which is the cost of a regular stamp, not a package rate, right? Right. Or, or you got an e-prize. So they just emailed it to you, which costs nothing. Depend, But that's how they did all the prizes. It was either a code, an e-card, or a yeah. physical gift card. But gift cards are, you know, pittance to send. Exactly. So I thought that was interesting that they changed it. And in 2022, when this came out, Pepsi and Netflix actually ran a, legitim a legitimate contest to get a ride in a Harrier jet, which was kind of cool. That was well, so good. Well, it's funny. I did not know about that because it wasn't offered to us here in Canada. Darn. Yep. Um, so I have it. When I blog about this, I'm going to put the links and everything so people can go and check it out. Right, exactly. Um, it, it was, it was, it, yeah, and it was, and uh, but two question, two questions I have to ask you. Number one, as we're sort of wrapping up here, number one, do you think there was a legitimate offer? And two, what do you think? Do you think any lessons were learned from this? Well, one more companies hire lawyers or they do better due diligence Two, I think John realizes he made a mistake when he walked away from Pepsi at the table. Like he should have, I, I wouldn't have accepted the $1 million, but I wouldn't have walked through the table. I would have said, okay, that's your first offer. Here's my first offer. Let's find something we both can agree on. There's right. a number in here. You're lowballing me. I'm gonna highball you, and we're gonna find that number. Let's figure. So you out think what that it is. that was the that was like the 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 turning point, the fork in the road. That right. Sort of I think that was the fork in the road. Had he stayed at the table or said, you know, give me five minutes, I'm gonna talk to my team outside. Um. Uh, he could have come up with something, and he could have walked away with maybe two and a half million. I don't know something, not the cost of the Harrier jet. But not a million dollars either. He could have got more. What that number is, no one will know because nobody took that path. He, he, that was his. That was what do they call that in life? That was a like a that turning was, point. That was that that was that was the that was the the decision of what he need. You know, like that's a flow chart of destiny. You make right. this choice, you go this way in life. You go that choice, you go that way in life. It's like those movies where they show those paths and people make decisions and then they go off. Right? Yeah, exactly. That's what right. He did he made a decision that took him off? And you think I, it was the wrong? You think it was the wrong one? I think it, per, I think it was the wrong one. Todd thought it was the wrong one even at the time. Mm. But he said again, he's my friend. I'm going to give my counsel. It's his choice. The other thing, I think Pepsi dropped the ball. Oh, yeah, because we talked about this. We talked, we about, talked this. about this. Again, why we're doing it live instead of just. Okay, so I think Pepsi dropped the ball. Now, I don't know if it's because I'm a marketer in 2023 and I look back and think they blew it or it wasn't something companies were thinking of at the time. 
if they were smart, they would have hired him. Ooh. Hired John to be the kid in the commercial. They would have, they should have reshot the commercial with him in it and the Pepsi stuff and him in the jet and did some kind of play on him getting his jet. Like, just kidding. Do you understand? Like, I don't know what they yeah, would have done. I'm not I, an addict. I don't, know, I don't but, film I, stuff. Right. Because in 1995, I don't think they were thinking that ahead of it. I don't think they were thinking that big picture. You know, I think they, they just saw they just saw a kid who was trying to flip the company off. Right. So but here's the thing, right? Like, you know, zero to hero. They could have taken him and made him a hero. And he would have been, see, what marketers do now is they're scrambling for influencers. He would have been an influencer before influencers. Right. He would have, he would have been, he would have been like, the granddaddy of influencers. He would have been like a, like a celebrity spoke. He would have been another one of the Pepsi spokespeople who were big at the time, like Deion Sanders, as we talked about, Shaquille O'Neal, Michael Jackson. If right, you but he was a regular guy, which would have made him a brilliant spokesperson for Pepsi because now that's what companies are looking for, influencers on all the social media platforms. I mean, heck, that was before Facebook or just as Facebook. I can't remember what year Facebook was uh, inception, 2000 and something. 2000. This was way before anything, really. So We're this talking... was before anything. He would have been an influencer before influencers. So nobody thought that you could take Joe Average and make him a spokesperson for your company. And he would have been the, you know, the ground zero for influencers. Now everybody wants to be an influencer. You have to watch out for scams. It's the other way right. now. It is definitely either way now. Um, but I think that that would have been a much better idea. I really believe that. And I, I think everyone in the way, in both sides dropped the ball in what yeah, they, they both did. dropped the ball. He should have taken the money. And one of part of their offer should have been, hey, how about we refilm the whole commercial with you because you're that guy. Yeah, you're you're the one, and what you know they they looked at they did not see the vision that again 2023, but again, who would have known back in 1995? Who would have been known to to? But they to would take... have made it part of the ad, like they could have done it, and they would have gotten so much PR from it, like they would have been on all the news things, and they would be in the books, but not for the screw up, but for the fact that the guy sued, and then they turned him into a hero. Exactly. It, it would have been a totally different ending to the story. But I guess nobody was thinking about that. No, I, they were I just, just think they, they dropped the ball. They could have done it. He it would have been really cool to say, hey, well, you're such a Pepsi fan. Why don't we make you the guy? We'll reshoot the commercial and put you in it. Um, it is uh, just uh, for those. I just want to just promote the documentary because that's what we're talking about here. You can catch that documentary, which is called Pepsi. Where's my jet? On Netflix, it's, I believe it's on Netflix worldwide. If you just search for it, uh, it's yeah, like, I hope it's worldwide because it's really good. <laughs> it, it's it's a really a good piece, and um, it, it's a four part limited series. It's about two and a half hours of your time, and it's well worth checking out. It really is for anyone who remembers 
you know, bat, you know, it's a little nostalgia. It's a little, it's fun. You get to see some people, but you also get to see sort of like how the sausage is made because you actually get to see how the commercial was made, how right. the commercial was, built, was thought. It's, yeah, really, like it's, really, it's, really, it's a really good piece. It's really yeah, good. You want to tell you something. You mentioned it right at the beginning, how everybody was doing, they had the blind cups and one was Coke and one was Pepsi and people were trying and they were showing everybody they interviewed had to do the blind Coke and Pepsi challenge. Right. So I read when I, when I was in college, I was reading the book, the other guy blinked okay. and it was about how Pepsi won the cola wars because Coke changed its formula based on the Pepsi challenge. The problem was um, Pepsi still didn't overtake Coke because here's the problem. If you do a blind taste test of Pepsi to Coke, most people pick Pepsi because it's actually sweeter than Coke. Yes, it is. I, I know that for a fact. I, but but Coke, yes, yes. Here's the problem. When you're drinking a whole can and you want a longer taste, people prefer Coke because it isn't as sweet and it tastes better with food. And yes, where it does. Are we having Coke? With a burger, with a pizza, with some chips and dip, with, you know, with popcorn at the movies. So it tastes, people like it better because of that. And so when Coke changed their formula to be sweeter, people revolted. And that's why we have Coke Classic. Because they had to go back to their formula. I remember also, I've actually been to the world of Coke. Oh, uh, Sorry, I'm going to interrupt you. Rachel, Rochelle posted this. Pepsi should have hired him now for the current Jet promo. They really missed the boat. And he still could have got us millions of That's dollars. That's right. You know what? I, but you know what? I don't know if there's bad blood between them still. Like, in other words. I don't know. He the, said he still drinks Pepsi. I understand that. But but he I did mean, it. You know. I mean, again, it's all, it's all about thinking you know, thinking within beyond the box, thinking this. But they did the documentary, so maybe they didn't want him in the ad. If they did, I, I, yeah, I mean, remember now, we're all, we're almost 30 years past this. No, no, she talks, she's talking about the one for the current promotion. The current promotion? Well, I don't know if there's a jet. When they had the contest, they should have used him in the ad for the contest. Oh yes, well, it was also a, it was only a Twitter contest. That's the thing. Yeah. You know, it was it was not. But you know what? I would uh, that would have been great. You make a 15 second video. I didn't get the jet ride, but you can. You know, and yeah. here. Oh my god, that would have been so good. You know, something like that. I didn't get to ride in the jet. Yeah, you could have. Yeah. And and but oh, and also one of the other interesting things was. The, oh no, the, she the, says yeah, they did the documentary, but Pepsi redid the promo. Hmm. Okay. So, well, uh, we I'm, didn't see it, so now maybe it's on YouTube somewhere. We'll have to check. I hope. I, I don't know, but yeah, I would. I would have loved to have maybe, maybe, but it, it's 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 a again marketing mistakes, marketing leaving things on the table that would be really cool different unique and all this sort of you stuff know but, you what? know what we are we're what? monday we're armchair quarterbacks oh of course we are because we're not because we're not in it you we're know, not we're in it two we're like you know we're armchair quarterbacks and two um the other thing is we're coming at it from like a 30-year perspective 
That's the second right. thing. So we're armchair quarterbacks and we're th 30 years out from the events. Sure. Our, our worldview. And then um, there was one more point I was going to make and it just. Well, it's, 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 and I'll think about it. Well, no, I mean, again, I mean, I respect the guy for trying. I really do. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, mean, I respect Mr. Leonard for trying to to do this, but. I mean, to me, I think that I think it was an offer because as someone who has been, you know, I started sweeping around the same time the lawsuit happened in 1995. Oh, so I've known I've known rules and stuff. I mean, remember, I'm also, you know, going on a 30 year habit thereabouts <laughs> and, you know, 30 year hobby. Excuse me. I, know, uh, I like it. It's habit. It is a habit every morning. Every morning, get my <laughs> cup of coffee, do my sweeps, you know. Um, but, you know, thinking about it, actually, it's more like 30 years in 1992. I started around 1992. But we've seen a lot of the changes. And in this case, you could see where Leonard believed the offer was there. You could see it. Oh, absolutely. Because, I agree. That he, be, I could see where he would think it's a possibility. But it's not. But it, it's it, not. No, so. it's, it, it's, it's not. So, it, it, and again, it's, it's a really good piece. And, um, you know, there's another documentary, which we'll talk about at another time, a little tease for next time, maybe. But um, McMillions, yes, which is on HBO Max here in the United States. But we're going to talk about that one. Yeah, that one's harder to find. Uh, but if you can find it or get access to it, it's a must see. Um, because I blogged about this. I blogged about it the day I found the article. And I'm like, I was reading the article and I thought I knew kind of a bit about the story, but I didn't know what it was. And I thought, this is insane. And the next thing I know, I thought, this is a movie. And sh like more fantastical yeah. than any movie we could think of. The next thing I know, I hear that Ben Affleck and uh, Matt Damon <laughs> bought the right, their production company bought the rights to it. I'm like, uh, no, I don't know. It was no, it was, it was Mark Wahlberg who did or this. Mark Wahlberg. Oh, the, uh, yeah, they're all out there. No, I thought Wahlberg did the documentary. Neil Wahlberg did the documentary. Yes. No, but, but those two bought the rights to do a movie. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. So Wahlberg did this documentary, the six-part documentary. Which we'll talk about next time, of we'll course. We'll talk about another time. But Matt Damon and Ben, um, uh, ben Affleck bought the rights to do it as a movie, which is going to be to would be totally different than a documentary. Right. It would be totally different, and I would love I believe I love right. to see how the visual. But 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 again, I but think in we the should meantime. It was so good. I was gripped. It was actually even crazier than this Pepsi one. And honestly, oh, I think the reason the Pepsi one got made was because of that. I think the producers saw the popularity of McMillions and went, hey, there's another story out there. Yeah. And and believe me, when we talk about McMillions, that this is that is crazier than any jet story, than any part of the story we just talked about for the last hour it's oh, mind-blowing and i will and i will because you know i gotta show the people this jason as he stated was a paralegal at one point in his life 
And yep. four pages of show notes to go over in today's episode of With the Contest Queen. <laughs> so we're going to have six when it comes to McMillions. And that will not, like we j just went over an hour. That will definitely be, we might Maybe have to make that two parts because it's going to be, it's so crazy. We'll have to do part one for the first three episodes and part uh, two for the next three episodes because the McMillions is nuts. Yeah, but you know what? I appreciate you bringing me on and talking about this because it's a great documentary. And for any contester who remembered this and remembered the media, there was media frenzy of this for, for a few years on this. It's, it was, it's a great story. And again, check it out on Netflix, Pepsi, Where's My Jet? So. Yeah, so Nan, eventually we'll have you on uh, as just my sweepstakes buddy because oh. you're because you're in my next book from the speech you did at the 2016 annual, annual sweepstakes convention in Las Vegas. And he talked about his adventures on game shows. Oh, yes. yes he's yes, not yes. only a contester, he's also a game show contestant. And we'll have him on just to talk about the hobby, how he started, what it's like doing game shows. Because if anybody remembers... Steve Ledoux wrote a book called How to Win a Lottery and Lotteries and Sweepstakes in the 21st Century. And because he was in Los Angeles, he had a whole section in his book on game shows as a way to win. And Jason, because he lives in New York, also has access to those game shows. <laughs> uh, I did, but right right now, because of uh, well, my, I know they, of my con no, no 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 because of my contest creating. Uh, content creating thing on gameshownewsnet.com, which is where I write and where I podcast on. Um, because I know so many people, it's it's a lot harder for me to get on. Well, for but you I do to get on, yeah. But it's a good opportunity. You can also talk about how people could get on. You can give them advice. Oh, absolutely. Oh, believe me, you, you put it to you this way. If you want to win on game shows, I can help. Because, right. because right now, especially in the pandemic era, the post-pandemic era, you it it is so easy to at least test and audition for totally for tons of game shows. The game show industry right now is, believe it or not, at a peak that we have never seen, and it is more popular now than. I mean, put it to you this way: you can take the Jeopardy test anytime. You can take the Wheel of Fortune test anytime. Uh, Prices Light and Let's Make a Deal are casting now because they have to do pandemic tests. They don't. It, it's different than when I went out there in the early 2000s just to 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 uh, to go on the prices right with friends of mine. It's a totally different era. It's casting. It's social media. It's a whole different thing. We'll talk about that too. Yeah, we'll I'd talk love to about do that. that. So we'll we'll have Jason back for uh, well uh, game, for game shows and for McMillions, and then uh, I'll put your links to your. Um, your podcast and social media, et cetera, in the show notes. So please, can thank find you. you. Right. Uh, you can find uh, the one, the big website that I write for is gameshownewsnet.com, the number one resource for game and reality show competitions all around the world. Uh, I know, we do how fun, game, right? Yeah, we do. We do uh, recaps on, show, on, on the shows every day. If you miss a show, we tell you you know, who did what and who uh, we do a weekly podcast called We Love to Interrupt. I've uh, been doing that for 15 years. Uh, based on the part of the interruption, we talk about 
the weekly, daily sh reality shows, and we talk about the big news. We just we also talk about the business side of it, about how regulations like COVID, uh, like the new COVID regulations, got uh, how that affects production. Uh, we talk about which shows are hot, which shows are not, um, and we we do a bunch of stuff. And uh, I've been I've been. I've been around game shows since I've been about five years old, and we'll talk about that another yeah, time. Yeah, we'll talk I, about I, that. But that's why, that's why when I was talking to Jason about this off the air, we're on Facebook Messenger back and forth. And oh, I'm yeah. Like, this is ridiculous. And then I said, you know, this is interesting. We should do a show on this. And he's this like, has been, yeah. This, this has been fun. I mean, it, it again, for people who – are either too young because because remember not all contesters evolve and people yeah. evolve I mean, and the, hobby evolved. the hobby evolved and this was one of those things that while it's not directly towards the hobby itself it's a lesson for people who don't understand how marketing can screw things up in a major way. Because you know what? Programs are run by fallible human beings. Yes, they are. <laughs> and that's yes, what happens. And yeah. sometimes it's a little one and sometimes it's a big one. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And this this was an interesting one. I'll just say it that it's a very interesting one. Yeah, I like I said, I think it's worth the watch. I loved it. Um I like to multitask, so I sat and folded all the laundry. <laughs> Had but my cup of tea and got it and, done and, while I watched. I was so fascinated. It it was it was really good. Yeah, and and again, when we come back and talk about the other one, that it's a totally different vibe than this one. Totally crazy vibe. So yeah, well, it is a crazier story, which is why again I think Pepsi uh, wears my jet. Don't be surprised if we see. Um another documentary in the contest world Not I, you, know, you know what i would love to see it i just don't know what would necessarily be a good subject per se i don't know i'm not a producer i neither am i <laughs> so we have to wait and see okay so yeah. this is it for now all uh, right and i'll put all of jason's stuff in the show notes and uh and in the blog and so you can reach out and listen to him on his other platforms and then we'll have him back to talk about mcmillions and what it's like to be a game show winner yeah spoiler alert he won yep um, and uh, again thank you very much for the opportunity and thank you for everyone who's watched and who are listening who contributed questions and comments and uh if you didn't see it live, just catch it on demand. I, I'm really glad to be here. Thank you so much. Much appreciated. Bye. Bye.